Stevie is showing me a kawaii Hello Kitty milk jug container plastic thing, except it's not holding milk. It's holding, uh, I'm going to assume, some kind of coffee beverage. Iced coffee. I got this at the Hot Topic yesterday. Are you supposed to drink straight out of it? Mm-hmm. It's like a water bottle. Like, it has, like, a cap and a spout. Like, it's not for... It's not like a vase. Like, you're supposed to drink out of it. Okay. And well. there's a second lid, so you can actually clean it well. Oh. Isn't that awesome? That is that is something. They had a lot of Sanrio stuff at Hot Topic yesterday. I went to the mall to get my friend Mo a birthday gift before their party last night. Um, and I went to the Hot Topic, and I haven't been there in actual years. And since Sanrio is getting super, super popular. Um, hell yeah. They had a lot of shit there, and I did exercise restraint, but they had buy one, get one 30% off, so I did also get a little tiny, like, Kirby figurine. Oh, gotcha. But the most important thing was my adorable Hello Kitty bottle, and also I went to Bath & Body Works, and I got everlasting magic-scented shower gel and perfume, whatever the fuck that means. It smells like berries, and also bergamot turmeric-scented hand soap. Cool. I figured... I want to talk about wombats. Oh, yeah. Hey, what was up with the wombat talk? We, You messaged me before we, uh, before we started recording about wombat. I just happened to be uh, looking at Blue Sky, yeah. and someone posted a picture of a guy holding a wombat. And I don't know if the listeners um, know about wombats or what wombats are. They're an animal in Australia that I always assumed was about the size of like a medium-sized dog. You know? Like, maybe feel, a little bit larger than a beaver. Let me look up how big koalas are, because I thought they were as big as koalas, but I imagine koalas being... Koalas are much smaller. Anyway, found a picture of a wombat. They're fucking huge. It's as big as the guy. It's n- it, That's an exaggeration. It's not as big as the guy. It, it's like, it's as big as the guy's torso. That's kind of what I mean by that. In the picture, he's as big as the guy. But all you can see in, in the picture is the guy's torso. Man, they're so big and they've got these gentle faces. But they've got such big claws. Yeah. And, and their noses are so good. they got such big, big little noses. So yeah, this is wombat talk now. Do you have anything else to say about wombats? Or you just wanted to say, "Wow, wombat, wombat big." I want to say, "Wow, wombat big." Wombat, wombat big. Also, big shout out to our Australian listeners. You guys get to hang out with wombats, and I don't, and that makes me envious. Well, they also have like drop bears and stuff. This is true. It does. It does even out. We could probably do a whole segment on on fucked up Australian critters. We just start bringing regular Australian animals to the monster zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'd be a funny bit. Did you get enough sleep last night? Why do you ask? And also, what are you drinking? I'm drinking chai tea. And how many hours of sleep did you get last night? I got six. And did you have anything for breakfast? Of course not, Stevie. And how are Actually, you Actually, no, I did. Oh, what did you, I what? did have something for breakfast. What'd you have? I had a couple edibles. Okay, that's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. Are you sure? Yes, decidedly sure. Decidedly I broke my sure. fast of not eating by having a couple of edibles. That's breakfast. I broke my fast. Your little your little gummy guys? Little gummy guys, yeah. Did you finish the ones I gave you? Uh, the three cookies you gave me? Yes, I finished them last week. All three? All three. How many did you eat in one go? One. Jesus. Man, your tolerance is higher than mine. It is quite a bit higher, yes. You've had, you've had more time to build it up. That's, yeah, you've had more time to build yours up. Um, yeah. Uh, after a birthday party last night, I'm not feeling like, 
I don't want to say I'm feeling like subdued. Like I'm hanging out, but I feel like I have a really chill vibe going on. I just wanted to check where you were at because I feel like we're talking like normal people and that's not super box standard on the podcast. So one of us has to be a little fucking freak on the podcast. Is that going to fall on me? Okay, what do you mean by be a fucking freak on the podcast? This is a public episode, by the way. Yeah. You know, so just they don't be- necessarily deserve us at our um, <laughs> most unhinged. Now, if they if they go and join the Patreon, <laughs> they, they can get us at our most unhinged. So you so you want our free listeners to have a lackluster a lackluster experience, and that's what's going to compel them to give us money. No, not lackluster per se, but just you know, letting them know that there's more of this that they could be listening to. That's a very high quality. We got a lot of good com. We got a lot of people uh, enjoying our uh, last podcast. That makes me really happy. So you're telling me that the people like when Stevie has segments? Uh, Nobody specifically said that. No. But that's the episode that's doing really good. Uh, It's doing all right. It's it's a Patreon episode, so not nearly as many listeners. Uh, So far, I think it has 18 streams. Well, that's nice. I don't know how many. I don't know how many our podcast episodes i don't know how many our patreon episodes normally get uh usually around 20 streams because we have around 20 patrons okay so it's not like it's gonna be more than usual okay well patreon listeners hey guys you might have forgotten the assignment you're supposed to say who won the podcast last week so you should go say that i i won it please no none of this uh after the fact campaigning for who won the podcast okay okay please go vote on who won the podcast and you don't even have to vote for me if you don't want to see Okay, do you want to know the comment that we got on the last podcast? Yeah, what was that? Uh, This is going to be a real quick uh, mail call. It's time for the mail. One of our listeners, uh, I don't know if they'd be comfortable with us saying uh, their name out, so I'm not going to, but they wrote in to us. Listening to you two try to avoid ranting about communism and anarchy for the whole episode, only to repeatedly find yourself ranting yet again, is the auditory equivalent of watching Sisyphus with his boulder. <laughs> only entertaining instead of sad. We need to. We need a little jingle or a stinger. Anarcho-communism. And every time we accidentally end up in the corner again, it, it just plays real quick and then we're good. Maybe. I could do something like that. Things we'd, have, we'd use it a lot. It would it, be overused. We rant a lot. We rant about, a lot. Like, the joke would be funny for, like, half an episode, but then people would be like, ah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we do just keep ending up there. Um, We keep forgetting to stop for the intro, <laughs> for the theme song. No, I just haven't found a good spot to actually uh, <sighs> Micah, cut it yet. Listen, we already d- we did. <sighs> we can't do multiple segments in the first. I already asked about breakfast. We can't we do breakfast update and mail time. Both things that have drops in the intro before the fucking theme. Fuck. Well, I was, only gonna, I was only going to do the, the, the mail call. Okay, good. Okay, good. Which reminds me, we also got a message from one of our, our Patreon listeners. Oh? Who, again, I don't know if they're comfortable with me saying his name. So I'm not going to say his name. But it's, hey guys, I'm redacted. <laughs> I'm a trans he him mail carrier down in Texas. And I just wanted to say how much I love, how much your show means to me. I have you guys in my ears most days as I work, and you make a hard job so much more enjoyable. I look forward to your episodes every week. Thank you for existing. Ah, that's lovely. And that's really great, because they're speaking mail carrier to mail carrier, because you had a past in this career. Yeah, very briefly. Like, seriously, four or five months. Could not hack it. Hardest job I've ever had. 
I don't know that I would have lasted the four or five months. I honestly admire you two. Yeah, it was, uh, it was something else. You're just driving around. Just driving around, getting barked at by dogs. Ugh. The stereotypes are true. The stereotypes are true. Sad. It's Gender Swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast by two transgender siblings, uh, one of whom got a decent amount of sleep last night and is uh, feeling all right, feel, feel, feeling pretty solid. The other one, I, I don't know, they, they didn't mention how their sleep schedule was. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Stevie, and I use he, they pronouns, and Shiloh and I just, like, snuggled, like, winding down from the end of the day last night for a while, which is so nice, but the problem is that we got home at, like, two, and then winding down takes a long time, and so I don't think we got to bed until, like, three or maybe past three, or, like, to sleep, that is. We went to bed earlier, but to sleep. Hi, honey, I'm podcasting. Speak of the devil. They also got um, lotion from Bath and Body Works, so they smell really awesome, and I could just, like, smell, like, a waft of perfume coming in after them as they got their laundry. It was really lovely. Oh, that um, is nice. So I got um, seven in quotes hours of sleep. It was like six. It was like six something. So we're like on an even wavelength. Hold on. I'm holding on. Stevie is shaking up their beverage. Stevie is drinking their beverage, and Stevie is about to set their beverage down really hard on their 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 no, desk, which I will have to edit out as I always do. Because honestly, it doesn't matter how softly Stevie puts the beverage down. It still comes through as a loud clunk, clunk, clunk. Stevie is chugging that shit, which means Stevie's going to have to pee like halfway through the podcast. You always have to pee halfway through the podcast. It's only right that I get one episode where I do it too. So normally when you take a pee break, I do too. So. Sure. And you probably didn't even hear me put it down because my desk has a cup holder. Do you use the cup holder every time? Here's the thing. I always have two bevies with me at all times. One is my water bottle. That's the clunking that you're referring to. Damn, it does show up on the fucking waveform, doesn't it? It shows up on the waveform every single time. And I have to go through and like edit it out every single time. It's a it's metal water bottle on a particle board desk, so it does make a little sound every time. Yeah. And then you should get... What? You should get a mouse pad. I have a mouse pad. Oh, you mean for under my cup? For under your cup. That's smart. I actually um, invested in, it hasn't arrived yet, I invested in a bigger water cup, even bigger than the one I have right now, which I think is like 128 ounces or something crazy like that. It's a bit overkill. Okay, well, I am a hydrated king. Um, no, you are. I, I, I didn't say you weren't hydrated. I just think it's a bit overkill to well, have that much water. Listen. I'm drinking the necessary amount of water every day and I need it to have an awful lot of ice in it or else it's, it's yucky and gross and disgusting. And this water cup, it's one that Shiloh has as well. It keeps ice for freaking hours and it rules. And so I can have ice cold water at my fingertips all day, every day. But the reason I bring this up is because it has a little pad on the bottom made of silicone. Mm. So even though the cup itself is made of metal, like my water bottle, quiet as a freaking mouse every time you set it down they just glued the mouse ra- mouse pad right to that thing also my current mouse pad is like stained from when i used to drink kratom and i would spill it pretty frequently and i would still hand wash it and stuff but like that it is green juice that stains things yeah i wouldn't know i've never actually used kratom don't bother they ruined no, my mouse pad <laughs> and my brain chemistry that, for a year and a half but that was, was on me that was so on me <laughs> 
I was about to say, I don't think the mouse pad is the worst thing with that, but okay. <laughs> so fair. Oh, fuck. Do we have to talk about the news? Yeah, we do. Here oh, comes the news. Our first headline. This is from CNN.com. New College of Florida under investigation for alleged civil rights violation. Jesus Christ. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education says it's investigating a complaint filed against the New College of Florida alleging discrimination based on disability, mm. according to a letter sent to this college interim president. Mm. The agency also plans to investigate whether New College of Florida failed to take appropriate steps to ensure that its communications with applicants, participants, and members of the public and companions with disabilities are as effective as its communications with others, mm. Cooch wrote. The details of the complaint regarding the disability discrimination are not known, and the Department of Education said it will not comment. A separate civil rights complaint was also filed last month against the New College of Florida, accusing the Board of Trustees of rolling out discriminatory policies targeting LGBTQ plus students and taking other overtly hostile actions towards students, faculty, and staff on the basis of race, gender, religion, and disability. Bad luck. Really bad. It is a bad luck. The Department of Education also wouldn't comment on the LGBTQ plus discrimination complaint. They're pretty content to stay quiet on this one, huh? Yeah. New College of Florida has been undergoing a conservative makeover since January when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis installed a conservative majority on the Board of Trustees that led to the appointment of a new president. In March, the trustees abolished the Office of Outreach and Inclusive Excellence, and in (sighs) August, the board voted to begin a process of dismantling the Gender Studies Program. Wow! That is fucking horrifying. As a result of changes at the college, over a third of the faculty have left. A third? A third. Holy fuck. That is a large amount. And that's just the people who were able to afford to leave. Yeah. Undoubtedly, there are so many employees there who are, like, effectively about to have, like, their career field ruined. Wow. God, the so that's poor not students. Great. The poor fucking students. Because then the students are just trapped there because most people don't have the money to switch colleges. Yeah. That is awful. That is awful. Uh, moving on from that one. God damn. Hey, why was Ron DeSantis able to um, change who was Board on staff? Trustees? Because the governor just has the power to do that in the mm. state of Florida. Why? They just do. I think that's bad. Not to take too hard-hitting a stance on our commie podcast, but I think that's bad. <laughs> you know, Stevie, I completely agree. I think it's bad also. Anarcho-communism. So, uh, speaking of uh, communist shit, mm. have you heard about the UAW strike? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I've heard about quite a few strikes lately. Workers walk out at U.S. motor industry giants. <gasps> like Ford? More than like Ford. More than 10,000 workers are participating in the walkout which targets three companies I'm I'm sorry, which targets three plants owned by General Motors, Ford and Stellantis. I was hoping Ford would be involved because he was a a, a union busting piece of shit and the Nazi the Nazi shit also. Yeah. And anti-Semitic. You know, he's ticking a lot of bad boxes. On the list of bad things, he's ticking a lot of boxes. Yeah, he was a Generally the list speaking, of bad things. An absolute piece of shit. And you know what's really annoying about it? Huh. My employer likes to put quotes 
from the HR, the HR department likes to put uh, inspirational quotes in some of their emails, and they keep putting Henry Ford. And I'm like, no, that's a bad we, look, Bestie. In our call center software, whenever you don't have a call, it has inspirational quotes that just yeah. kind of cycle through while you're waiting for one to come in. And um, Henry Ford and Walt Disney are notable standouts. It's almost like capitalist heroes are all um, Nazis. Evil pieces of shit. Nazis and racists. Yeah. Fuck. We did it again. Okay, well, I'm glad that people are striking. No, it's great that people are striking. The work stoppage threatens to trigger high, higher car prices and major disruption for the motor industry giants. As the current contract expired on Thursday, the UAW's president, Sean Fain, told the BBC it was now up to the companies to resolve the dispute. When they start taking care of their workers, it will end, he said. Mm. Yeah, fucking easy. The strike started at midnight Eastern time at GM's Wentzville, Missouri midsize truck plant, Ford's Bronco plant in Michigan, and the Jeep plant in Toledo, Ohio, owned by Stellantis. The plants are critical to the production of some of Detroit 3's most profitable vehicles. Other facilities will continue to operate, the UAW said, but it did not rule out broadening the strikes beyond the initial three targets. Mm. A strike against all three companies at the same time is unprecedented in the union's history. This fucking rules. Doesn't it, though? There was an update I actually meant to read, so I'm glad you brought this up. Let me find it. I okay. reblog a lot of things on Tumblr. You, you do use the Tumblr quite a bit. This was an open letter update from the WGA, WGA strike leaders. In the 130 days since the WGA strike began, the AMPTP has only offered one proposal to the WGA on August 11th. Since then, they have not moved off that proposal, even though the WGA in turn presented our own counterproposal to the AMPTP on August 15th. The studios and streamers bargaining together through the AMPTP have disparate business models and interests, as well as different histories and relationships with the unions. They are competitors in all respects, except when they band together to deal with Hollywood labor. That's because capital protects itself. Capital protects itself 100%. And the most notable thing that I was noticing was that... uh, so. The AMPTP purports to represent all these disparate corporate interests, but in practice administers a system that favors inflexibility over compromise and sacrifices the interests of individual companies in reaching a deal. In contrast, during individual conversations with legacy studio executives in the weeks since SAG-AFTRA went on strike, we have heard both the desire and willingness to negotiate an agreement that adequately addresses writers' issues. Um, one exec said that they had reviewed our proposals, and though they didn't commit to a specific deal, said that their proposals would not affect the company's bottom line and that they recognized they must give more than usual to settle this negotiation. Another said they needed a deal badly. Those same execs and others have said they're willing to negotiate on proposals that the AMPTP has presented to the public as deal breakers. On every single issue we are asking for, we have had at least one legacy studio executive tell us they could accommodate us. So while the intransigence of the AMPTP structure is impeding progress, those behind-the-scenes conversations demonstrate that there is a fair deal to be made that addresses our issues. Given the outsized economic impact of the strikes on the legacy companies, their individual studio interest in making a deal isn't surprising. Warner Bros. confirmed this in a public financial filing just this week. So basically, like, it, it goes on to talk about this, but in general, like, until those companies stop bargaining together to just, like, completely hardline against, like the labor movement, nothing is going to fucking happen, even though the individual studios recognize that they would be able to make it work. Like, that is 
so utterly baffling to me. These companies are competitors in literally every other sense except for this. Because, I'll say it again for the people in the back, capitalism protects itself even if it has to harm itself. I was about to say, it also inevitably cannibalizes itself. Because perpetual growth is not possible because the world is not made of infinite resources. It's such a weird mindset to have. It is. So getting back to the auto workers, uh, yeah, strike. sorry, I just want to get that updated as well. What are they up to? The union had sought a 40% pay increase for its roughly 140,000 members over four years, noting a comparable pay rise in pay for company leaders. Mm. Other demands include a four-day working week, the return of automatic pay increases tied to inflation, and stricter limits on how long workers can be considered temporary staff who do not receive union benefits. That is crazy. As of Wednesday, the three companies have improved their proposals, offering as much as a 20% pay rise. Are you shitting my dick? Workers said companies could afford to be more generous after years of record profits. Mm. And this is true. And you know why it's true? Hmm. Because do you know why those profits exist? They were created by the labor of the workers. Therefore, the workers are yeah. entitled to the profits that they themselves created. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that a CEO should get 80... Sorry, sorry. Wow, not 80,000. Huh. 800,000 a year when the workers do not. Yeah. I've been trying to find out how much our company's CEO makes per year, and I haven't been able to find out. You probably won't. They, they like to keep that stuff quiet, because if the workers find out, the workers get a bit uh, unhappy. Testy, yeah. Testy. Yeah. Speaking of testies... Mmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> good soundbite good soundbite good teamwork y'all <laughs> what can this possibly segue to you'll see the connection in a minute but first i have to ask you a question we're moving on to our next headline oh okay this is from the dailybeast.com okay but in order to talk about this i have to give some context to something that happened before okay but before i do that I have to ask you a question. There's a lot of steps leading up. There's a lot of steps leading up, but believe me, the payoff is worth it. Stevie, do you know who Lauren Boebert is? That's a familiar name, but no. Lauren Boebert. Is that a Republican is on a Twitter? Republican, is a Republican House of Representatives uh, member who recently got kicked out of the Beetlejuice musical. Like a viewing of it? Because she was vaping <gasps> in the audience, <laughs> singing along to the songs... And gave her boyfriend, who was with her, <gasps> an over-the-pants handjob. Are you shitting my dick? He proceeded to just kind of whip her boobs out and start fondling her right there in the crowd. What? Yes. What? What? This is a Republican senator? Representative? Representative. How drunk off your ass do you have to be to think that's a good idea as a regular person or as a politician? You know, we have to cut her some slack. Do we? We do. Because Lauren Boebert is 36 years old. Okay. She's also a grandma. What? Yeah, her kid had a kid, making her a grandma. Okay. At the age of 36. I'm doing math in my head. Ah, whatever. I won't slut shame. But also, that's a lot of of pressure to put on a a millennial woman. So we got we got to cut her some slack there. So, so you're saying because of that so, that fact solely, you have to give her some grace. Yeah, we got we got to give her some. She's grace. She's got to blow off some steam. 
in the Although, what we don't need to give her grace doing. on is her firmly anti-LGBTQ stance on absolutely everything in her hatred of trans people. Um, I feel like she has other things to be worrying about, maybe. Uh, she's big on the whole don't say gay bills. Of course. And trying to push one at a national level. Of course. She's urged her Twitter followers to take their kids to church, not drag bars. I wish she would be a little quieter. Well, here's the thing. The guy she was with at the Beetlejuice show owns a drag show hosting bar. Are you shitting me? Nope. I'm, uh, serious. What? Yeah. So just, there's a lot going on here. Transparently a farce and a scapegoat. We are, it seems. Yeah. What state is she representative of? Colorado. Wait, is Colorado a red state? Oh, wait, no. They have. Do they have Dems or Republicans for House of Representative? Or does it each yeah. state chooses what party is represent? Do you know what I'm saying? It's each one for each party? It's, it's, it's who gets voted in to be the representative. You have to vote for representative. And she's... one. Of, the district she represents in Colorado is extremely Republican. Oh, the district. Okay. Oh, also gerrymandering. And also gerrymandering. It was a packed theater, by the way, that they were fondling each other in. This country's bad. Yeah, Beetlejuice is a great musical. The vaping is bad enough. The vaping's bad enough. The over the, the vaping pants is bad enough. Yeah. What was the thing after that? Before the over the pants stuff? Uh, singing along with the musical really Ugh. loudly. That's just really, really bad manners. That's just rude. That's just rude. That's like horrid theater etiquette. And then you're doing public indecency. He whipped her titties out in the theater. And he whipped she her was... titties out in the theater. Wow, that's just a lot. And also, that urges the question, where were they sitting? Because if it was on either of the aisles, it's like, okay, well, now the ushers can get to you pretty easy. They could see what's going on pretty easy. But if they're in the middle of a row surrounded by people, it's like, death penalty. Like, what are you talking about? What are you fucking doing? Man, that's really interesting since the whole anti-drag stuff is usually on the basis of, um... Uh, public indecency and exposing people to dangerous sexual ideas and um, displays. Would you like to hear what she said in her quote-unquote apology? Oh, good God. No, but go ahead. There's no perfect blueprint for going through a public and difficult divorce, which over the past few months has made for a challenging personal time for me and my entire family. So that's why I have to vape and grope my boyfriend in public. I've tried to handle it with strength and grace as best <gasps> as I can, but I that's... simply fell short of my values on Sunday. Yeah, that's what we'll call this. Not saying what it was she did so that anybody reading it would not be informed then about what happened. Yeah. No apology there that I've heard of. Does she say I'm sorry in the apology? Uh, no. Hmm. That's a unique choice. So this is more of a public acknowledgement. Yeah. How brave. So brave. So yeah, we're going to move on from that. Also, Bobert's a dumb last name. There you go. Mm, well, there might be some good Boberts out there. People who are perfectly fine, upstanding individuals who don't have anything to do with a horrible <sighs> okay. bigotry. And I won't cast ill upon all Boberts. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's not going to. <laughs> That's the thing, Stevie. In my experience, there's almost always another shoe. The shoe's not there. No shoe, huh? Other one got lost. Only one. I'm smiling angelically since this isn't a visual medium. So, uh, yeah, I want to move on from the news. So, Lauren Boebert, with all of her uh, talking about how she needs to go to church, got me in the Segway to take me to church. Yeah, segue to take you to church. 
This is from uh, atlasmythica.com. Love, new fave. New fave. New fave. Good website. Mm. Uh, a well we will probably be returning to quite a bit. Amazing. And I want to talk about God. The okay? big the big G-O-D. The big G-O-D. The big guy. Capital the G one. God. Uppercase G we're take, God. We're taking a hard stance. I don't want to give the impression... <laughs> The impression, and this is a belief we hold over all others. I like to emphasize this is not a Christian podcast. We were just raised that way. So oh, we I'm think sorry. It's funny. Hold on, Stevie. I'm sorry. Did you think I was talking about the Christian God? I'm talking about the original. Well, what was the first one? Uh, I believe I'm saying it's pronounced Dius, wow. who is the first God in world history. Wow. Modern humans, Homo sapiens. Showed up on the scene about 200,000 years ago. That's not a lot of years. Hell no, it's not a lot of years. I'm so used to Dinosaur Corner where it's like 10 billion years before million. I'm being facetious. But the first writing system was only invented some 5,500 years ago. Only 5,000? Yeah. So we spent 150,000 of those years just dicking around. We spent more like 195,000 of those years. Wow, I'm stupid. Just dicking around. <laughs> you can tell I haven't taken a math class since my freshman year of college. Relying purely on on word of mouth transmission of knowledge. No written system. Man, they probably had so many stories and beliefs that we will never know about. That makes me want to cry. And so many gods that we will never know about. Since the prehistoric gods are forever lost to us, the only option left is to turn towards gods mentioned in the first writing systems. Wow. The, those gods would include the Sumerian Namu, the Egyptian Atum, and the Canite Yahweh. Cool. However, there is one particular god that we know of that is much, much older than Ooh. the ones mentioned above and can legitimately be called the original god for much of the world's population. That is awesome. I feel like if they wrote it in the book, like in, in the first ever writings, they were like, and this is the God we've been talking about for thousands of years, so and so. And it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, at least that, that's going to be the oldest one we know of. It's not like he was just invented for this story. That's so interesting. The Indo European God, Dias Fatur. How's it spelled? D Y E U S. D Y E U S. Which is why I think it's Dias. Hold on, let me look it up. I feel like you're right, but also maybe we're just Americanizing it. Dius. 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 So anyway, the Indo-European god Dius Fatur, meaning Father Sky, can be called the first and oldest known god in recorded human history. His existence can be traced back some 5,000 to 7,000 years ago. That's crazy. The Indo-Europeans were an ancient people that lived some 6,000 years ago in the steppes north of the Black Sea and the Caucasus Mountains, roughly modern-day Ukraine and southern Russia. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the area we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they were also a pre-literate society, mm. so they left no written records of their culture and way of life. However, based on indirect evidence, we know they possessed a religion, a distinct language, and mythology. That's so Over cool. the course of thousands of years, the Indo-Europeans began a series of migrations that brought them into Europe, the Middle East, and as far south as India. During these migrations, the Indo-Europeans brought their own language and gods with them. Dius, in particular, acted as a template out of which most Indo-European cultures created their own gods and pantheons. 
There are many variations of Dayus Futur, some which will sound quite familiar. So you've got the Greek Zeus is based on him. The Roman Jupiter is based on him. The Hindu gods were named Deva or Devi, and the Latin Deus mm. is, 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 is a descendant of the word Dayus. That is fascinating. You know, it feels like, and maybe this is especially the case when you're raised Christian. We have a very limited perspective, of course. It feels like the Bible God is treated as like the oldest, truest God or whatever, like before it all got fucked up by everyone else. When it's like, you came in season four at earliest. And here's the thing, even within the Bible itself, if you actually read it, it talks about other gods and talks about some miracles the other gods did. Is this in the Apocrypha or like for real? What are we talking about? This is in the Bible, not the Apocrypha, the Bible itself. What are you talking about? Really? Yeah. So you've got Elijah, right? Yeah. Elijah's all like, fuck your, your, your God, Baal. My God is better than your God. Oh, shit. I forgot they talked about Baal. Oh, I was always taught that that was just like Satan doing his thing or like a demon who was like really powerful. Because nope, Satan that was their God, powers. Baal. Oh. Also, you have to think about the Ten Commandments. Yeah. What's, the actu- what's the commandment actually say? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Implying there are other gods. We were always taught that it was in a metaphorical sense. But that, no. but the, in, in the original sense, it sounds like you should prioritize me above all the other gods. Like, don't worship another one but me. Yeah, we were always, we were always taught that in a very specific sense, I feel like. Yeah, but simply not true. So, so even within the Bible itself, God is not the only God. That's very interesting. Other than the historical lineage of Dius, what else can we know about this enigmatic god? Unfortunately, a lack of written evidence makes it difficult to describe Dius in complete certainty, but there are a number of things historians are confident about. Dius was the Indo-European sky god, but probably not the supreme god of Indo-Europeans. Hmm. So, so they probably this... had more than one god. Right. But this is just the oldest one we know of. That is wild. And it's like, yeah, of course a god of the sky would be the first one they come up with, you know? Because it's like, as a person, all you've got is ground, right? What's that thing up there? What? Like, that is your only view out into the universe. And it's like, man, that thing just goes on forever. Of course you'd make a fucking mythos about it. And I feel like that's why sea gods are also really common. When you're a little human being person guy, that's the biggest thing you've ever seen in your fucking life. Of course it's going to seem like there's gods in there. Duh. Man, I love being a humanities major. Keep going. As the sky god, Dius had control over the weather, but wasn't quite a storm god like Zeus or Jupiter. Hmm. Side thing. It was a hobby. From atop the sky, Dius could see everything that happened in the world of mortals and was thus all-knowing and all-judging. Hmm. Omnipotent, omniscient, etc. So for this... Well, no, no, just omniscient. Oh, okay. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Oh, I always forget what these mean. Yeah, omniscient is where you, you know everything. Okay. So for this reason, Dius might have functioned as a god of justice who punished the wicked and blessed the good. Mm. The sun may have been referred to as the eye of Dius. Ooh, that's cool. I love that. The, the wife of Dius might have been Deg Om, the mother god, mother earth goddess. That's so cool. you got the sky god gets with the mother earth goddess. I really love sense. that. This, that. It does feel like an early... Okay. 
tell me if this is a reach, please. It feels like an early um, mythologizing of gender roles in terms of like the earth being like a nurturing, like caregiving force in terms of like, this is what gives us life versus like the father being what gives justice. Does that make sense? I don't know if that is a uh, uh, kind of juxtaposing or superimposing modern views onto it, but I think it's interesting. I, th- I think you're superimposing modern views on it, to be honest. Listen, that's so fair. Again, uh, I took too many humanities classes. This is true. You have. <laughs> Dius was the father of the divine twins, Indo-European deities that had served as rescuers and healers of mankind. Divine twins. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Outside of Dius, the oldest one we know about. Yeah. There yeah, are yeah. a number of other gods and goddesses that can lay claim to the title of first known god in the world. Mm. And there's actual written evidence to kind of sort of maybe back up their claim. I wonder if there's like modern worshippers of this pantheon. Probably not. Do you think? I feel like I think, if I feel like if you're going to be really big into religion, I feel like going for the oldest one makes the most sense. Well, that's the thing. It's not the oldest one. It's just the oldest one we oldest know one about. we know of. Listen, real religion heads, listen to the the OGs. Real religion heads. So I want to talk about Namu. 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 Cool. Namu is the primordial sea goddess that created the world, at least according to Sumerian mythology. What I say about the ocean. The first written records of Namu are more than 4,000 years old and date from 2100 BC, making her mankind's oldest recorded deity. Hmm. According to Sumerian creation story, she is the mother of heaven, Anu, and earth, Ki, and through them, the origin of all gods in Sumerian mythology. Wait. So the sea goddess was the mother of the sky and the earth. Yes. That is so cool. In this one, ocean came first. Damn, that rules. That is awesome. I love creation myths. Unfortunately, not much else is known about Namu. Based on archaeological evidence, she was kindly disposed towards humanity, which Mm -hmm. prayed to her to obtain protective blessings. (sighs) That rules. She was never a particularly popular goddess, and her cult was strong in the ancient city of Eridu. For reasons that are still unclear, however, Eridu was abandoned by the year 600 BC, and Namu's worship appears to have ended about the same time. Fell out of vogue. What can you Fell do? Out of vogue. How many years uh, did it last? Uh, about 1,500 years, it looks like. Christianity's been around longer than that. I'm just wondering what the expiration date is, that's all. Or Zoroastrianism's been a long, longer than Christianity. What? What has? Zoroastrianism. What's that? Uh, it's considered the old... Zor- the followers of Zoroaster worship the old... They're the oldest known um, monotheists. Cool. Yeah, and they're older than Christianity. Cool. And there are still people that worship it. Damn. This is awesome. I went in to use the bathroom just now to, and went in to find my wife had completely rearranged our bedroom. The bed is oh. now on the different wall. Oh, one of those days, huh? <laughs> one of those days, apparently. <laughs> so that was a bit surprising. I, I, I don't like change, so I'm unsure how I feel about it. When I came home last night, a little tipsy and a little high, I didn't drive, don't worry, um, I forgot that I was having a big laundry day before I left for the mall and the party. 
And so there was nothing on my bed. And all I wanted to do was lay in the fucking bed. And it was tragic. So I just threw a quilt on there that I've never slept on before. And instead of getting my pillows out of the dryer, because I needed one more go in the dryer because they're pillows, I had to sleep on long cat. Long cat plushie. Okay, like I, I gathered. Body pillow, but a, but a cat. Yeah, you know, it really does what it says on the tin. <laughs> Speaking of cats, you know who worshipped cats? Egyptians? Question the Egyptians. Mark? Woo! You know what else the Egyptians worshipped? What else? A tum. Oh, yeah. Last week, or in the last podcast, I was talking about um, the Egyptian Wait. pharaohs. Don't tell them that. God damn it, Stevie. <laughs> I was trying to get them to go sign up for Patreon so they could hear about it. You're the editor. You can cut that out. If they get spoiled, it is your fault exclusively. <laughs> I might beep it. <laughs> anyway, so Atum. Atum. Is the creator deity in ancient Egyptian mythology, with his name thought to derive from the verb tum, which means to complete or to finish. That's awesome. Thus, Atum is the complete one, the one who finishes the world. Ooh. So according to ancient Egyptian creation myth, Atum created himself out of the primordial waters of Nu. That's crazy. Nothing nothing exists, and this god makes himself out of primordial waters. The fact, ugh, this rules. Okay, okay, okay. Put the thoughts into a coherent sentence. Okay, I think it is really awesome that this creation myth starts out with, again, water, primordial water. It is not just, like, space, universe, whatever. Like, fucking, no, fuck the stars. It's all water because like egypt's agriculture and general survival was so dependent on the nile a body of water that like this is the 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 metaphorical like source of life and i remember learning about that in you guessed it humanities um i did a course where i learned about a lot of different creation myths and then i did a course about the book of revelation in the bible did you know they have a whole course for that it was fucking awesome they had a lot of beasts that could be good for Indeed. Monster Zone or Take You to Hack. Well, although that is church, we've got a lot to work with in the Book of Revelation, is all I'm saying. We, we do. Uh, from there, Atom created the gods Shu, who's the god of air, and Tefnut, the goddess of moisture. So not water, but like all forms of moisture. Just moisture. That is fascinating. Later on, Atum became a solar deity and represented the evening sun, while Ra was the morning sun and Kepri was the midday sun. Oh, they just work on eight-hour shifts. Which, good on them, you know? That's full-time work. It's really hard to, you know, have a job of lugging this giant fiery orb across the sky, so divide up your labor. They just kind of take turns on the chariot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to write this down. Sorry, I I thought last night um, about how awesome it would be if I got a tattoo of Atlas, like the Greek guy who held up the sky, and I forgot to write it down last night. Careful. People might think you're an Ayn Rand fan. Ah, oh, fuck. I mean, in the metaphorical sense of, of, like, continuing to endure through necessary hardship. According to Chairman Mal, do you know who holds up half the sky? Who? Women. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag feminism girl boss. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag boy mom. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, in one fateful conversation with Osiris, a Tom reveals to Osiris that he will destroy the world and return it to its original state and the primordial waters of new. Don't do that. Don't destroy it. All other gods and beings will perish, with the only survivors being Atum and Osiris eternally wandering the primordial waters in snake form. Does that sound fun to them? No, that's how the world's going to end, according to ancient Egyptian mythology. 
Like we don't like we don't have to. Atum seems like he's uh really into it. Atum and Osiris wandering the primordial sea forever. Are they like dating? Like what is this? Like what is What well, makes sense Osiris being who is also the god of the dead? Ah, that's really romantic. Sure, you could get romance out of Godly this. counterparts who literally just like destroy everything so it's like them and only them. And that's like incredibly isolating and dangerous and, and like a, a romanticized like like you romanticize the, the, the toxicity of it and the codependence. I mean you romanticize the toxicity and codependence of it. I promise you that the second you said that two male presenting gods were wandering the primordial sea forever alone in the universe after destroying everything else i promise you all of them were like that sounds like homoerotic tension to me we're getting a window into your brain to be clear i feel it is my whole crowd's kind of kind of window collective brain i'm just the voice of the people at this point no that's fair you you are indeed uh the vox populi yeah that means the best guy by the way what translating for the audience it means the best the best guy no Voice of the it people. literally means voice of the people. Yeah, the best guy. The- they wouldn't put the person who's not the best guy as the voice of the people, is all I'm saying. Okay, fair. Popularity we'll contest. So anyway, moving on from Atum. Yeah. For the other god who, who claims to be the oldest god, but not by several thousand years, we're finally going to talk about Yahweh. Oh, cool. Whose origin can be traced back to 1550 B.C. That is, like, not that old. No, when you look at a time, it's like 2300 BCE. Or is Namu, this, who's 2100 BCE. Is this, like, related to that conspiracy that some Christians have that the Earth is only, like, 8,000 years old? Uh, 6,000, but yeah. 6,000! That's really not very old at all. No, it's not. They think that we lived alongside dinosaurs like the Flintstones. Mm, I heard a conspiracy from my friend's family friend that the dinosaur fossils were created by satan to trick humanity and to fool humanity yeah i heard that too yeah in which case that's a rad design for an animal hail satan that's pretty fucking cool i'll give him that and then my friend was like so this is great this is such a christian gotcha she's like so you believe satan's a creator which is like for people who don't understand christians or don't know christians that's a real one-two gut punch in terms of christian theology you're really never supposed to imply that because the point is that he only destroys or only attempts and can't, he can't even do what God does. Yeah, he did. He made some freaking dinosaurs. <laughs> That's the same thing. Fucking dummies. Rookies. So anyway, Yahweh. Oh yeah, that guy. Yahweh is an ancient deity that originated in the Levant region, roughly modern day Israel, Syria, and Lebanon. Hmm. His exact origins are unclear, but it appears he was at first a single god among the Canaanite pantheon. Oh. Alongside others, such as Baal, Asherah, and El. So originally they were on the same level, and that's why they're referenced in the Bible? Yes. What? Man, the cultural context of a historical document is really important. Over time, the Israelites branched out from the Canaanite peoples and became a distinct cultural entity. Even after their cultural separation from the Canaanites, the Israelites continued to worship Yahweh as a god of storms who marched alongside the Israelites during their military conflicts. God did do a lot of storms in the Bible. Starting with the year 1000 BCE, the worship of Yahweh grew even more prominent. Over the course of hundreds of years, the Israelites stopped worshiping other gods, shifting their focus to only Yahweh. This process culminated in the complete rejection of the old gods from the Canaanite pantheon, 
such that Yahweh was now the supreme God and ruler of the world. Yeah, that's referenced within the Old Testament. That's really fascinating. So as it was written in the Bible, at least in terms of like, because I remember that being a really big deal, especially in the Old Testament, of God being like, you have to get rid of these other gods. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to. And they were like, okay. And then they did. That's crazy that that's actually how it happened. Although the words of God notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. The words of God being a little wiggly at best. That was uh, take you to church. That's fascinating. So I want to move on from there. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something that we haven't done in a while, which okay. is a double header. Oh. A classic one-two punch combo. Are we doing a sister segment? We're doing a take you to heck. I was literally just thinking about the fact that they were sister segments and how it'd be fun to do the back-to-back. It's like you read my mind. Like how last week you read my mind, you guessed I was thinking of the color blue. How'd you do that, by the way? I was listening to that episode yesterday. How'd you guess that? I have powers. You just have to accept that I have powers. I'll ask you again in a couple months. We'll see if you're ready to be truthful with me. Fine. You know how I guessed? How? It's really easy. In Western cultures, blue is the most common color that you automatically think of. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. I thought you guessed it because the cup that you had in front of the camera was blue, and so I'm pretty sure that's why I thought of it. You were mm-hmm. you you had a blue Starbucks cup last week. I did. I also have a blue microphone. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I kind of always forget that it's not like kind of a silver blue. I know I look at it. Well, it's in my field of vision at least every single week. Yeah. But I'm too busy looking at your nice face. Which I appreciate, Stevie. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. our demons. Our demons. The first demon I want to talk about is Rusalka. Cool. Hold on. Is it? Hold on. Is there like art of this person? Uh, yeah. You can find art of Rusalka. How do you spell that? R U S A L K A. Apparently, Rusalka is also an opera. So everything that's showing up is is opera pictures. This is beautiful. What is this? So Rusalka is a Slavic Christian demon. Oh is a female mermaid-like demon or ghost. Yeah, this is a mermaid in this opera. Generally considered to be malevolent and created from women who die violently before their time. Oh, mermaid slash ghost. Including suicides and unmarried women who are pregnant and then died in the pregnancy. Damn. Living near the bottom of rivers, they rise out of the water at night and dance in meadows. Hmm. If they see handsome men... They mesmerize them with songs and dancing and then lead them to a watery death. Girls night. Me and, me and, the, me and the girls at 3 a.m. Okay, according to Dmitry Zelin, Zelenin, young women who either committed suicide by drowning due to an unhappy marriage. Oh. They may have been jilted by their lovers or abused and harassed by their much older husbands Damn. or who were violently drowned against their will. <gasps> especially after becoming pregnant with unwanted children. Oh my God. So it's about like all of the injustices done to women. Yeah. That's when they come back as Rusalki. Wow. That's very, that's very, I don't know. I feel like telling and culturally significant that like this was enough of, like that this happened frequently enough for it to spawn a mythos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And apparently, um, the Rusalka is not invariably mal- mal- malevolent because it would be allowed to die in peace if her death is avenged. 
Oh, that would be a good plot of a movie. I hope that's the plot of the opera. Uh, her main purpose is to lure young men seduced either by her looks or her voice into the depths of said waterways, where she would entangle their feet with her long hair and submerge them. Her body would become instantly very slippery and would not allow the victim to cling to her body in order to reach the surface. Oh, that's really troubling. She would then wait until the victim had drowned or, on some occasions, tickle them to death. I'm not going to make a fetish joke. I'm mature. It is also believed by a few accounts that the Rusalki can change their appearance to match the tastes of men they're about to seduce. That's... Sorry, my phone started going off. Since when did I have my... Mom is calling me. <laughs> my apologies. She has really good timing. She... I never have my fucking ringer on. This is humiliating. It's <laughs> so embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what was I saying? That Rasalka can change their appearance to match the tastes of men they're about to seduce. I love that trope. Although a Rasalka is generally considered to represent universal beauty. Interesting. And is therefore is highly feared yet respected in Slavic culture. Hmm. Best so, gig. Uh, best gig for for a gal to get be feared and respected. Yeah, exactly. So that is uh, basically all about the Rusalka. Our next demon. Sidebar: the plot of the opera is just a Little Mermaid, basically. Rusalka is a water nymph in this version, and her father is the water goblin. And she okay. tells him that she's fallen in love with a human prince who comes to hunt around the lake, and she wants to become human to embrace him, and he tells her it's a bad idea. But then he sends her to the witch, Jezebaba, for assistance, and it's like, okay, so why did you even give her this this contact? Why did you give her her phone number? Anyway, Jezebaba tells her that she, if she becomes human, she'll lose the power of speech and immortality. But if she doesn't find love with the prince, he'll fucking die, and she'll be eternally damned. And Rusalka's like, that's normal and a good contract. And then she drinks a potion. Um... Yeah, so this is like just a little mermaid. Hold on, does it end with everyone dying? The prince betrayed Rusalka. He the prince asked Rusalka to kiss him, even knowing her kiss means death. They kiss and he dies, and the water goblin comments that all sacrifices are futile. In her final song, Rusalka tells the prince, For your love, for that beauty of yours, for your inconstant human passion, for everything by which my fate is cursed human soul, God have mercy on you. Wow, that's so fucked up. So you're saying it's a happy ending. Well, Jezebaba did give her a knife and tell Rusalka that she can only save herself if she kills the prince with it. That's so sad. Yeah. Anyway, who's next? So our next demon. Mm-hmm. Rakshasa. Cool. Rakshasa, uh, it's listed here as a Far Eastern uh, demon, mm-hmm. is a class of male and female shape-changing demons Ooh. whose speciality is disturbing sacrifices, <laughs> desecrating graves, harassing priests... And possessing human beings. So in general, doing all like the the fucky stuff with like religion and sacrilege and desecration that you shouldn't do. Yes. That is really fucking funny. They're the demons of desecration. That rocks. Their fingernails are venomous. Jesus. And they feed on human flesh and spoiled food. Stop it. My beans? My moldy beans? They're gonna eat your moldy beans. To be fair, that's kind of a service at that point. I feel like that was a myth created to tell people to put away their gross leftovers. I'm trying to find out what they look like. It just says they're depicted as shape-shifting, fierce-looking, enormous, monstrous-looking creatures. Well, they could look like anything. With two fangs protruding from the top of their mouth and having sharp claw-like fingers. They got a lot of points. They're shown as mean, growling beasts and as insatiable man-eaters that could smell the scent of human flesh. Beasts. 
Some of the more ferocious ones were shown with flaming eyes and hair, drinking blood with their cupped hands or from human skulls. I love that trope. And here's the thing. A skull is not watertight. Come on, there's so many holes for liquid to go through in a skull. But man, I love that trope. I think it's really funny. I think it's just like aggressively edgy and I enjoy that. Uh, Generally, they could fly, vanish, and had the powers of illusion. Well, that rocks. Which enabled them to change size at will and assume the form of any creature. That's fun. I feel like drinking out of a pelvic bone would be easier. No, the pelvic bone's got a lot of holes in it. Yeah, but the side that is there is curved. You just gotta keep it on the one side. I, I, I don't think it would work that well. Pelvic bone, come on, pelvic bones is the bowl that holds all your, all your guts up. It's literally made to do that. Yeah, but it, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna get in an argument about pelvic bones. The fact that muscles are able to manipulate where your bones go is really fucked up. The human body's fucked up if you think about it, which is why I choose not to think about it as much as I can. And the only reason that the meat can move all the bones around is because of nerves? What the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, it's it's electrical impulses. What are you fucking talking about? How did the electricity get into my body? It's generated. Your body generates small amounts of electricity. It was literally the plot of the Matrix. I was about to... Oh, fuck. That's why they did that. That's what they were using them for. I was really tipsy when I saw it, and I don't remember anything except for how green it was. It's a really green movie. <laughs> no, it is a very green movie. It's a very green movie. And Keanu Reeves' little baby face. He was a baby in that movie. The, the two most thematically significant parts. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about Sabnock. How do you spell that? S-A-B-N-O-C-K. Sabnock. I'm going to wait to hear what this demon does before I make the joke I was going to make. Well, he's a Christian demon. Well, I was going to say it sounds like um, Sagnock or like Slobnob, but anyway. Well, he's a Marquis of Hell. Cool. With 50 legions of demons under his command. Fucking legions. (laughs) He builds high towers, castles, and cities, furnishing them with weapons and ammunition, provides good familiars, and can make the wounds of men gangrenous or fill them with worms. Ew, uh... He's depicted as a soldier riding a pale horse with armor and weapons and the head of a lion. The fact that he's a gangrene god, sorry, gangrene demon, that's wild. When you think about it, gangrene is a horrible disease to, 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 to be stricken with. So of course we would believe that a demon is responsible. The the god of medically necessary amputations. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's Maybe any he's a job image. creator, keeping the doctors in business, etc. I'm trying to see if there's any images of Sabnock, like pictures, and I'm, it's just coming back with a whole bunch of lion-headed guys. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. A lot of them are on horses. Oh, shit. It's in something called Reign of Dragons, whatever that is. Reign of Dragons is mostly what's coming up on my end. Uh, uh, not, and now there's Blonde me. Twinks. Oh, Demon King anime. Yeah, there's a, yeah, he's also Demon King character. Yeah, we didn't stand a chance. That's about all the information I have on Sabnock. You know what I think? What do you think? I think that I don't care a lot about all of the demons who were marquees, heads of legions, generals, council members, governors, etc. PTO members, HOA heads. I don't really care about that very much. I would like to hear about a demon in a legion. What's he up to? What's his day-to-day like? 
What's it? What's it? What's his uh, boots on the ground? The lived experience. What's his outfit of the day? I would like to know what he's up to because it's like, well, he's just the guy going where the guys are told to go. But where are the guys told to go? Like, what's this guy even going to use all the demons for? Does he tell them to go inflict the gangrene or can he just kind of create gangrene out of thin air? Are they like minions? So there's an anime that you should watch. Okay. It's hard to find season one of it. So much so that Andrea and I are actually going to buy the DVDs. Oh, that's awesome. Because it's a good anime. Okay. It's called Cool Headed Hazuki. Check it out if you get the chance. Okay. It is a workplace comedy (gasps) that takes place in Shinto hell. Oh, that sounds delightful. And there's a lot of, like, Japanese folklore characters that show up. And it's it's a really funny, cool-headed Hozuki. That sounds delightful. Also, Agretsuko is in Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Sorry, Retsuko. Her name is Retsuko. The show is called Agretsuko. Indeed. Watch list. Oh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force is on this list. Also, Bojack Horseman, which I still haven't finished. I got really close to the end, and I couldn't do it. I just haven't finished it since. I didn't finish it either. How far did you get? I would like to know. Like, season two. Man, that's before it even gets to be a real bummer. <laughs> yeah, I just decided, you know what, I've had enough of this sad horse. You're That's so fair. You are so real for that. I'm just yeah. saying. Okay, I've saved that to my watch list. I feel like Good Omens, to a certain extent, is a workplace comedy. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I feel like in the, in the extended universe it makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to move on from Take You to Heck. Today on Tumblr I saw Neil Gaiman shave somebody's eyebrow off. How the fuck am I supposed to segue from that? He didn't actually shave their eyebrow off, but they messaged him. They messaged his inbox and said, if you answer this, ask, I'll shave my eyebrow off. And he just posted it to his blog and responded, then I better not answer it. And somebody else said, well, you should reply a second time for symmetry. And then he replied, good point. And so now this poor, this poor anonymous Tumblr <laughs> user has no fucking eyebrows and it's Neil Gaiman's bitch ass fault. Isn't that crazy? Hollywood that goes is- too far again. <laughs> that is crazy. This is the uh, worst thing Hollywood has ever done. <laughs> uh, other than, never mind. I know that's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> so anyway, I want to move on to our mm-hmm. next segment. Mm-hmm. So we've gone to church. We've gone to church. I've taken you to heck. Yeah. Can I guess what's next? Go ahead and guess what's next. Monster zone? Uh, no, it's not a monster zone. Dinosaur corner? No, it's not a dinosaur corner. Oh, we also have I Spy Mischievous Boys. Okay, how are you going to segue it? You know what? I still had to come up with a good segue to go to I Spy from okay. Take You to Heck. And then you start talking about shaving eyebrows, which is even harder because it. No, 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 no. That's easier. Eyebrows, they'd make a terrible spy. No, that's. No. They did it for the role, they did it to get into character. Come on. And, and one reason you might shave your eyebrows is to get into disguise. Are we going to I Spy? We're going to I Spy. And then it's the little, then it's the little thing. I did the segue for you. I can just kind of predictive text this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I want to talk about Klaus Fuchs. Klaus Fuchs. This is a fun name. Klaus Fuchs. Oh, Fuchs. Like F-U-C-H-S? Yep. I was exactly right. You're right. I'm so smart. Is this German? Uh, he was German. The website I'm getting this from is not one that I would normally go to, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure I consider it a reliable source. 
Should this be what we're using for a historical segment, then? Well, I will let you decide, because the website I'm getting this from is mi5.gov.uk. .gov? This is from MI5's website. They are the this British version of the FBI. They're CIA. Oh, FBI. Yeah. Wait, which one? Both. Oh, so theirs just does internal and external. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so this is from the government in the UK. Oh, he's cute. Sorry, I looked I looked up the guy. Dare I say it? Twink. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so Emil Klaus Fuchs was mm-hmm. a German citizen who joined the German Communist Party in the 1930s, but was forced to flee to Britain in 1933 when the Nazis came to power. Okay, so even though Nazis had socialists in the name, they weren't really socialists and the communists didn't like them. Yeah. Okay, noted. He earned a doctorate in physics from Edinburgh University and obtained a teaching post at the university. Mm-hmm. In 1939, when the Second World War broke out, he was detained on the Isle of Man and was later sent to Canada as a citizen of an enemy nation. Huh. So Britain was all like, you're from Germany? Fuck you. Get out. He's fucked off to Canada. He was eventually released and returned to Edinburgh in 1941, where his scientific expertise led to him being recruited to join the Tube Alloys Nuclear weapon Weapons Program. Oh, shit. Britain's equivalent to the Manhattan Project. Okay, so they're making nukes. They were making nukes. In late 1941, following the German invasion of the Soviet Union, Fuchs contacted the exiled German communist Zhugan Kaczynski to offer the Russians information on the Tube Alloys project. He was put in touch with a contact in the Russian GRU military intelligence agency to which he passed on secret atomic research. What was Russia doing during World War II? Killing Nazis. Were they really? They killed more Nazis than anyone else in the war. They also lost more people than anyone else in the war. Holy shit. Oh, I think I remember learning that it was some kind of tentative alliance. But it sounds like they just hated Nazis. Yes, they hated Nazis. They're communists. Damn. The U.S. American education system will, just, will do what they can to demonize Russia, huh? Yep. I'm sure that's not historically significant. <laughs> so, Fuchs later stated that he had been motivated by a belief that the Soviets had a right to know about the atomic bomb project. Yeah, which, I think. Um, that's fair. I feel like I, everyone I, I, should know if the nukes are being made. I, I agree, because they're dangerous weapons that I don't think anyone should have. It feels like pertinent info, yeah. The only reason we haven't devolved into full-scale nuclear war is because enough countries have them that they're like, oh shit, if I set this off, everybody's going to set off. Mutually assured destruction, yeah. Mutually assured destruction, because if you got them, you're going to want to use them eventually, I guess. Try not to think about it. This is controversial. I think weapons of mass destruction are bad. (laughs) You know what, Stevie? I uh, hard agree. Official stance of the Gender Swap podcast, weapons of mass destruction are Are not good. Yeah. Real heavy hitters today. So Dick White, who became the director general of MI5 in the 1950s, you can't laugh at his name. I literally didn't even say anything. Contrasted Fuchs' motives with the desire for money that motivated many other spies and concluded that his motives were, relatively speaking, pure. A scientist who got cross at the Anglo-American ploy in withholding vital information from an ally fighting a common enemy. Yeah, that makes sense. So Fuchs was given the code name REST. And was transferred in 1942 to another GRU agent, Ursula Burton, codenamed Sonia. Awesome. The two met regularly in Bainbury, Oxfordshire, where Fuchs passed secret documents to Burton. 
1943, Fuchs was sent to join the Manhattan Project as part of a British team of scientists. He Sidebar. Key- That's a meet-cute premise, having to meet with your, like, secret super spy contact. That's a meet-cute premise. I mean, sure, but they didn't end up... I mean, for two people that are not them, I think that would be cute. I see love in everything. Don't fault me for that. I will try not to fault you for that, Stevie. Thank you. I'm open-hearted and tender. Anyway, he joins the Manhattan Project. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. And he played a key role in the project over the next three years, developing many of the designs, equations, and techniques used to build the first atomic weapons. Bro. During this period, Fuchs was in contact with a GRU agent whom he knew only as Raymond. The agent was an American citizen called Harry Gold, codenamed Gus. How many codenames does this guy have? Which in Russian, Gus means goose. So his codename was Goose. That's really cute. Who had been working for the Soviets since 1934. The two met in a number of locations, including New York City and Santa Fe, New Mexico, where Fuchs provided information on technical issues related to the design of the atomic bomb. When combined with information from other sources, this helped the Russians to make rapid progress in developing what was effectively a copy of the American atomic bomb design. That's fascinating. Also, dare I say, if it's two boys, the meeting in secret thing is even better. Come on. When Fuchs returned to the UK in 1946, he was offered a prestigious post at the UK Atomic Energy Research Establishment at Hartwell, Oxfordshire, where he began working on nuclear energy. He was a good spy. They just kept hiring him. The establishment's importance and secrecy was such that it was nicknamed the Holy of Holies. Security was tight. MI5 carried out an investigation into Fuchs that reviewed his record, including pre-war allegations of communist activity, but found nothing incriminating. This guy's a good spy. However, Fuchs continued spying God. until he was finally exposed in 1949. What a brave fella. Fuchs was eventually caught out by a breach in Soviet security. Since 1943, the UK and the United States had been working on a project codenamed Venona to break Soviet secret codes. Mmm... Poor Soviet security practices enabled U.S. codebreakers to decipher a large number of messages, some of which were reports on Fuchs meeting with gold. Damn. It was clear that there was a major Soviet spy in the Manhattan Project. U.S. and U.K. investigations focused on identifying the individual concerned. Although it was not clear at first that Fuchs was the agent known as Rest, investigators were able to narrow down the suspects to only two people, Fuchs himself and a fellow German-born scientist Rudolf Pires. This had to be a terrifying time to come to work every day. Because if you don't come to work, you look suspicious as fuck. Especially if you're not the spy. But you know they're trying to find a spy and they are literally on the verge of grabbing you and deciding you did it. Just because you're German. That's crazy. It was not possible to use the Venona material to convict Fuchs. Due to the extreme secrecy of Venona, the intercepts could not be disclosed in court. Mmm... So from July 1949, MI5 intercepted Fuchs' mail and telephone calls, but found nothing incriminating. Good spy. It was decided that pressure would be put on Fuchs to induce him to confess. Hmm. Normal country. So you might be asking yourself, uh, what kind of pressure? What kind of pressure? Thank you, Stevie. (laughs) William Jim Scarden, a former police special branch officer, was Uh. chosen for the task. Uh-uh. He was given an opening when Fuchs' father accepted a post at the University of Leipzig in communist-ruled East Germany. Oh my god. This was a potential security problem for Fuchs, who had already discussed the issue with the authorities at Hartwell. 
Scardin was able to use this as a pretext to arrange a series of meetings with Fuchs to discuss the scientist's personal life. Oh my god. Scardin gradually gained the confidence of Fuchs over a period of several months. He finally confronted Fuchs in December 1949 with the news that his involvement in espionage was well known to MI5. Oh my god. The scientist initially denied the charge, but a month later, he told Scardin that his conscience had compelled him to come clean. So the cop used this guy's dad to get to know him. Yeah. Imagine you're a super spy, and your dad starts texting you about his cool new neighbor. And then six months later, you're confessing to espionage in a a national court. Don't you hate when that happens? Fuchs gave his interrogator a lengthy, though somewhat partial, confession. (laughs) He admitted that he had spied for the Soviets since 1942 and had given them crucial secrets on the atomic bomb project. But at the same time, however, he consistently refused to divulge some aspects of his work as a spy. Mm. After a short trial in which he pleaded guilty to charges of breaching the Official Secrets Act, he was given the maximum sentence. 14 years imprisonment. I feel like 14 years isn't as bad as I expected. They don't imprison people for as long in the UK. Okay. It's just America that's really big on our punishment. Yeah, because I remember that some uh, American spies were super executed for this. Oh, we always execute spies. That is terrifying. That's why they do it, because it's terrifying. It's a means of control. Normal country. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's the state saying we will wield violence against you if you go up against us. The most heated I ever got in my entire public school experience was in a Socratic seminar. Ooh, did they have those when you were in school? I have no clue what the fuck that is. It sucks. It's a classroom debate, basically. But you're all sitting in a circle, and one half of the circle has to argue for a particular side of an argument and the other side has to argue for that one regardless of your actual feelings on it and everybody in the class is required to talk at least once and usually the teacher will will give kind of like leading questions to get you started um anyway my 10th grade world history teacher pretty sure it was world history thought it would be sorry u.s history thought it would be a good idea to have a bunch of 16-year-olds argue for different sides of dropping the nukes on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Normal country education. This was a group of 15 and 16-year-olds. Luckily, I was assigned to the side that was against dropping nukes on two cities full of civilians. And somehow, I'm the only one who got, like, the, the, now let's all calm down. <laughs> I was the one who triggered this. And the reason was because the, the opposing side was basically arguing for it, establishing the U.S. as a world superpower. Like, establishing it on the world stage. And I literally said, like, so you think two cities full of innocent civilians should have died so the U.S. could, like, get a good reputation? Like, do you hear how insane that sounds? And the teacher's like, all right, everybody, I think we're getting a little heated. What are you fucking talking about, man? No, that means you won the argument. Yeah, I think it means I won the argument. However, this is also the only teacher who ever honestly discussed politics with us and also is the teacher who taught me about institutional racism. He was the youngest high school teacher I've ever had. He was like 24 and he did leave the school shortly after because like that's really miserable and difficult to be that young teaching high school students. Yeah. Anyway, he's really cool and we're friends on Instagram. (laughs) Overall, was a good teacher, but that was a really weird choice. That was a really weird choice. Anyway, I was right. You, You were right. I agree with you, Stevie. Anyway, after Fuchs' release, he went to East Germany, where he died in 1988. 
Okay. So that is basically the whole story of Klaus Fuchs as accorded to the mi5.gov.uk website. He wasn't executed. Was not executed. Good for him. Yeah, and got to live out the rest of his life in East Germany, which East Germany kind of sucked. But uh, Yeah, pretty bad at the time. Pretty bad. They had the Stasi, secret police. <sighs> Controversial take. I don't think countries should have secret polices. Yeah, and you know what secret police are? They dress up in civilian clothes and spy on people and try <sighs> to catch them in the act of doing crimes. <sighs> that makes me uncomfortable. Do you know what we have in the United States? Civilian cops, undercover cops. Undercover cops that do the exact same shit. That is just secret police, ain't it? That is secret police. We have secret police in this country. You know who else could be considered secret police? Who else? Those um, unmarked cop cars that they use to catch you in traffic if you're speeding. That sucks so bad. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, usually you can spot one of those cars out by the extra thing on the um, side mirrors. If I remember correctly, it's a light or it's like some kind of like rounded attachment like it looks like a sphere that was cut in half and kind of attached to the the back or the side i don't know if they all have that but most of the ones i've seen have had that they've gotten wise to that and uh, they've stopped uh, doing that on as many of them i've been seeing a lot fewer sedans lately and a lot more suv cop cars like the black ones rather than the white sedans yeah and it's really creepy and i get spooked whenever i see that type of car anywhere on the road whether it's labeled or not i get kind of nervous about it because yeah, also it, it looks like the it looks like um, a car that the government would jump out of and like kidnap you in. Yes, it does. Like a black SUV. That's what you see in the movies. That's what the FBI ride in. Which also thinking about that, they literally carpooled there. It's just a bunch of guys sitting in a van. Somebody had to turn on music on the way. What do you even talk about? What's your workplace banter like? Probably the most boring shit in the world. Do you know how many FBI agents are Mormon? Really? Yeah. <sighs> is this a statistical fact? Yes, it is. They actually go after Mormons uh, to join the FBI because uh, they don't drink. Oh, my God. And are considered more reliable. Oh, my God. That is wild. I guess they would have a vested interest in not having drunk FBI agents. Despite the fact that so much of history was accomplished while people were drunk. Blast off their ass, the Founding Fathers were. Literally wrote the Constitution in a bar, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. In a, in a tavern, but yeah. Yeah. Well, come on. Well, and and know. we have one of the receipts from the like drinking bill like that is so fucking funny please tell me how much was on it hold on let me look it up uh founding fathers bar bill bar tab our mom has a souvenir cup it looks like a beer glass and it has some quote that i think is from benjamin franklin which is like the the man who only drinks water while his friends drink beer is the only one who remembers what was said in the morning or something along those lines my mother does not drink alcohol ever at all. <laughs> the bar tab of a 1787 farewell party for George Washington. Oh my God. According to the bill, the founding fathers drank 54 bottles of Madeira, 60 <gasps> bottles of claret, eight <gasps> bottles of whiskey, 22 bottles of porter, eight what? bottles of hard cider, what? 12 of beer, and seven bowls of alcoholic punch. There were only 55 attendees. Holy fuck. And, and if we're thinking like bottles, like some of those were wine bottles, maybe some of those were independent servings. But like one wine bottle has like three servings in it. Holy shit. That's enough wine and punch alone to get everybody blasted off their ass. Wow, they yeah. were all shit-faced drunk. There's no way they weren't. And they were all rich wow. slave owners. Fuck those guys. Our country was founded by alcoholics who owned people. Great normal country. 
But yeah, we should totally take their perspective into account when we're deciding how to interpret their document. We, sh we should totally apply their original vision because they were geniuses who were able to account for everything, including the evolution of modern technology. Do you hear how fucking stupid you sound? Nobody who takes a stance is listening to this podcast. If you do, get over yourself. I don't know. We, we might. We might have some. We might have somebody who is a constitutional originalist who decided to be our listener because they wanted to hear an opposing perspective. Maybe. Well, I think you should grow up. Get real. People are multifaceted. Nobody's perfect. Also, if you're relying on a singular document to make all your decisions for you, you can't think for yourself, and that's embarrassing. Wow, it's almost like that also applies to religion. Yeah. Boy, we're just firing off the hot takes all of a sudden. <laughs> this is a public episode. It is. It's not even a Patreon episode. We don't normally... Yeah, sorry. I took three hits of my pen. This explains it. And I'm an inherently political person, so... Yeah. At, but at the end of the day, aren't we all... It's hard to have an, an existence that's not political, and if you consider your existence to be apolitical, it's because you have the luxury of doing so. Indeed. So yeah, I think we have enough for an episode. So, uh, Stevie, where can people find you? You can find all my stuff at steviebee.com. That's steviebee.com. S-T-E-V-I-E-B-E-A.com. And it's awesome, and I have links to all of my socials, all of my everything, my YouTube, my Twitch, my Discord server, my wish list. Christmas is coming up, just in case you forgot. Um, it's September. Anyway, so that, I think, that, yeah, that's kind of the main shit I do lately. Also, a lot more podcast enjoyers have been joining my Discord server lately, which makes me so happy, and I love it so much. We also have a Tumblr blog. Tumblr.com slash gender swap podcast. I had somebody message the Tumblr blog the other day, yesterday, the day before, offering to be a quiz tester. Oh, huh. that's awesome. Because I always save all of the quizzes I'm considering to that blog, and they'll be labeled tested or untested. If they're tested, they're added to the pool of ones I'll bring to the podcast. If they're untested, I just thought the title looked interesting and I'll come back to assess it later. And this person was like, Well, I do you quizzes for hours on end anyway. Might as well be be productive with it and i'm like that is so awesome and i appreciate you so much i love you so thanks so much i really appreciate you micah where can people find you the good people can find my music at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com you can also find me on blue sky social at mxmaxwell music we also have a patreon Ooh. where for a mere three dollars per month you can listen to as many episodes as we have on the free feed but hidden sweet bonus episodes which put hidden sweet bonus content into your ear holes i should record a little barbershop quartet stinger to say thank you to our patreon patrons okay i think that'd be really cute i think they'd be really cute too but yeah we also have a ten dollar tier where if you decide you like us enough that you want to throw even more money at us to help us put the show out if you do that we will say your name at the end of the episode so our $10 patrons are Louis Meekle, Rose, Pete Wilbo, and Cassidy Johnson. Let's fucking go. Thanks so much. Thanks to the $3 patrons and the $10 patrons and everybody who makes this dog and pony show happen. Yeah. So we are uh, really grateful that we have our Patreon subscribers that we do. And if you don't uh, subscribe to our Patreon, uh, maybe try it out. You, I think that you will enjoy many of our, our back episodes which includes such titles as Unbetter Every Time. Unbetter Every Time is a really good title. Which, what does that mean? I don't know. You'll have to listen and find out. You want to know so you get the context. Also, you can subscribe for a month, listen to as many episodes as you want, and then decide whether or not you want to keep subscribing. 
This is true, you don't have to stick with us if you decide that you don't like our content. However, we have a lot of satisfied listeners, so maybe give us a shot. Yeah, there's like 20. It's awesome. <laughs> Why are we shilling so hard? My hot water pipe is still broken in my house. It needs to be repaired, and I definitely need cash. <laughs> and I got passed over for a promotion, and then I had to replace my car battery. <laughs> So yeah, that's why we're shilling so hard at the end of this episode, whereas we don't normally <laughs> show quite this hard. But anyway, uh, I guess we've covered everything, so there's nothing left to say, but bye. Bye.